Amen. Thank you, Chris. Well, good morning again. Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. We are in week two of our series on the book of Proverbs. It's what we're going to be covering for the summer. And if you'll notice as you're reading through the Proverbs, or you probably have noticed, that uh, it just kind of jumps from one topic to another, even, even as you're moving through uh, individual chapters. It seems like uh, Solomon's just giving you what was on his mind in that moment. He wrote that down, then he jumps over to another topic. Uh, but what happens as you read through the Proverbs like that is you uh, discover that there are certain themes that pop up out of the book of Proverbs that, are, that run through all these different chapters. And so that's what we'll be covering in the coming weeks. Today's uh, theme is the idea of uh, fathers who are teaching their children and children who are listening to what their fathers have to say. And so we're, our text comes from Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, uh, Solomon is actually talking to his own son. He says, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, hear my son and accept my word. So we're getting an opportunity to listen in on Solomon, the wisest king to have ever lived in the history of the world. We're getting a chance to listen in on his advice, his teaching to his own son. He says, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, he says, my son, be attentive to my word. So this is pretty valuable stuff, right? For you and I to be able to listen in on this private conversation between Solomon and his son, the wisdom that Solomon wants to dispense to his own child, and we'll have that opportunity to um, experience that today. So our text comes from Proverbs chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 1 through 6. I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Remember, we stand week in and week out to be reminded that this is where truth comes from. It doesn't come from some Dr. Phil show that you saw. It doesn't come from some advice that you got um, around, the, uh, around the coffee machine at work. It comes from what God thinks, and we don't have to wonder what God thinks he wrote it down right here, and so we're reminded of that week in and week out. So let's read Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Here we go. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. All right, so what I'd like to do is just kind of travel through these verses that we just read, and then we'll see what's, what's going on here in this uh, chapter 4, Solomon's words to his son. It says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. So this is just kind of an introductory statement into chapter 4. And here we discover it's kind of like an introductory statement to all of us. Solomon knows that we are having, remember he wrote this, Solomon knows that we're, having, we're being privileged to listen in on this private conversation. And so he's saying to all sons everywhere, um, I'm going to let you hear this private conversation, but before I get there, to all sons everywhere, I want you to listen to what your father had to say. That is, I want you to soak in what your dad had to say. I want you to uh, um, take in what they thought. I want you to uh, mull it over, to listen to it. And what, again, is the source of this instruction? Who does this instruction come from? He says it comes from your dad. It comes from your own earthly father. Now, here's an interesting thought. Why is it that dad gets to be the one who gives the instruction? Why is it that dad is the one who gives the orders? Why is it that dad gets to be the one who's, who, who's given, telling somebody what to do? Why can't it be the other way around? Why can't the child be the one who's telling the parent 
what it is that they're supposed to do. Why, does, why, can't, why can't it be the other way around? Well, perhaps some of you know a child like this. Perhaps some of you know have a coworker that you work with whose child is really strong-willed. Perhaps some of you have some close friends or close family who have really strong-willed children, and they think that they ought to run the show. Right? They think that they're the ones who ought to be in charge. They're the ones that think that they ought to be the one giving the instructions at three years old, at six years old, at 10 years old, whatever, however it may be. Perhaps some of you were that strong-willed child, but let me tell you, make no mistake, nowhere in the Bible cannot be found are parents instructed to obey their children. Just want to go ahead and make that clear. Um, there are some children who think that's the way it ought to go, but that's not what the Bible says. Um, even the Lord Jesus himself was submitted to his father, Jesus prays to the Father in heaven, saying, Matthew 26 and verse 39, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, it's not about what I want, but it's about what you want, not what I will, but rather about what you will. Elsewhere in the Scripture, this theme is picked up on. Ephesians 6 and verse 1, Children are instructed to obey your parents, for this is right. Verse 2, taken right out of the Ten Commandments here. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So you see there's a clear hierarchy of authority that is imbued into the home. And that authority picture looks like this. It looks like God first, then parents, then children. That's the order in which God says the, the household ought to, be, uh, ought to be run. Children are to obey their parents. They are to heed their parents' instruction, not the other way around. Verse 3, when I, Solomon, was a son... So he's thinking back to his own days when his dad was giving him instruction. And who was Solomon's dad? David, King David. And so he says, when I, was a, when I was a little boy, he says, when I was tender, that is when I was really young, I was walking around, I was just knee high, I was bouncing on my dad's knee. When I was a little boy, he says, remembering that, verse 4, my dad taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my word. So this is David saying to his son Solomon, when Solomon was a little boy, saying, listen to what your old dad has to say. You've heard that saying before. And so that's what Solomon's saying here, that his dad told him, listen to what your dad has to say. And then Solomon remembers David saying to him, verse 5, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. He just keeps repeating the same idea that, that children are to be listening to what their fathers have to say. That, they're, that when their dad speaks, they ought to say, all right, I'm tuned in here. I want to know what my dad thinks. I want my dad's opinion on things. And so that's what Solomon says he remembers as a child. So he says, verse 5, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. That's David speaking to Solomon. Verse 6, do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom, for she will keep you. Love wisdom, and she will guard you. Now, I want to take a time out here for just a second. Remember, Solomon was given the choice. We talked about this last week. Solomon was given the choice of anything in the world that you want. And God said, I'll give it to you. And what did Solomon choose? Wisdom. That's right. He chose wisdom. That was the thing that Solomon said, more than gold, more than riches, more than fame, more than great Samson-like strength. I want to have wisdom. It's the thing that's most valuable to me. Friends, that was implanted in him from his dad. His dad said, Solomon, get wisdom, get insight. Verse 10, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10, hear my son and accept my words. In other words, I listened to my dad. Remember, this is Solomon talking to his child here. He says, I listened to my dad. Now, here's what I, and you saw how that went for me, it went pretty well. Hear and accept what I have to say. Verse 11, 
What follows here are to hit some two descriptions. He gives a description of two different kinds of paths. One of those paths is the path of righteousness, the path of right living, and the other path is a path of destruction and evil. And so he says, um, verse 11, he says, the first path, um, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness, that is moral living. And if you'll walk in that path, son, this is Solomon speaking to his little boy, if you'll walk in that path, verse, verse 12, your steps will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Verse 13, so because of that, keep hold of instruction, my instruction, do not let go of it, guard her, for she is your life. Again, do you notice the recurring theme in all of these verses? Solomon is encouraging his son to listen to his word saying, I did that with my dad, David, and Solomon saying to his son, I want you to do the same. And uh, he says, look, um, there's a second path, though. If you don't want to stay on the path of right living, if you don't want to stay on the path of righteousness, there's another path that you can follow, son. Let me tell you about that path. He says, verse 14, it's the path of wickedness. Do not enter that path and do not walk in the way of evil people. In fact, verse 15, avoid it. Do not go on that path. Stay away from it and pass on by it. Trouble will surely find you if you get on that path. And then he goes on to say to him, he says, look, son, in case you don't think that your old dad knows what he's talking about here, let me tell you about the kind of people who live on that evil path. Let me tell you about the kind of people who live in the path of wickedness. He says, verse 16, here's what these people do. He says, they cannot sleep, can't get, an, uh, can't get a good night's sleep, he says, unless they have done somebody wrong. And then he goes on to say, that they are robbed of sleep, that is, they can't settle down for the night unless they have made somebody else stumble. So it is, for the people who walk in the path of the wicked, for the people who walk in the path of evil, he says, son, you won't be able to get a good night's rest unless you've harmed somebody, unless you've hurt somebody's reputation, unless you've pulled the rug out from underneath of somebody. It becomes food to you. He's like, do you really want to be that kind of a person? Because if you walk on the path of wickedness, that's the only thing that's going to satisfy you, is hurting and harming other people. Claire and I went out for dinner this past week, and we walked into uh, the restaurant, and in following in behind us were a bunch of teenagers from Hebron Christian Church, a whole bunch of them. They had gathered together to go celebrate the birthday of one of the teenagers, and we got a chance to visit with them. And I'll tell you, I was impressed to see a group of young men and women with common values and with common convictions doing life together. They were choosing the path of righteousness. And it was just a wonderful thing to, to see, refreshing. So Solomon instructs his son, he says, son, listen to your dad, stay on the right living for the righteous path and steer clear of the path of the wicked. A couple more verses, verse 20, Proverbs 4 and verse 20. He says, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Again, same theme here. Listen to what your old dad is saying. Verse 21, let my words of wisdom not escape from your sight, keep them in your heart, plant them down deep in the, in the deep recesses of who you are, where your passions and your desires are. Verse 22, last verse, for those words of mine will be like life to you, those, to those who find them, and healing to all that person's flesh. Again, how does this person get healed? How is it that they find life? They listen to what their dad has to say. All right, well, that's our treatment of this text for today, and so that means it's time for us to ask the question we ask every week around here, what difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, I really appreciate Solomon saying that, you know, we're supposed to listen to what our dad has to say. I think that's great advice. I wish my children would, would heed that advice, right? But the real question is, and it's the one that Solomon doesn't answer 
is how are we supposed to do that? How am I supposed to get my kids to listen to my words? Right? And unless Solomon can answer that question, then I don't know what any difference any of this makes to me. Just a great thought. Um, so what difference does this make? Well, great question. Let's see if we can answer that. How do we get our children to listen? How do we get our kids to mind our words? And I like to spend the balance of my time here talking about that specific question. How do we get our kids to listen to what we have to say as parents? Look back with me at verse 3, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 3. Solomon writes there, he says, When I was a son with my father, and here's the key word, tender. And we said earlier that that, key, that word tender means that he's just a little guy, right? He's just, a, he's just a little tyke. He's walking around. He's about at his dad's knees, still bouncing on his dad's knees, following his dad around the castle, around the palace, or the whatever you want to call it, the place where the king lives. And so he's following his dad around. He's just a little guy. And he says, when I was tender, when I was a little guy, he says, my dad started talking to me. My dad started sharing words of advice with me. My dad started talking to me about wisdom. My dad started sharing with me from his own life experiences. You see, every parent knows that you can't start correcting a child's behavior when they are a teenager. And so the first step in this, this deal of getting our kids to listen to us is that we have to start young. Solomon, or David started with Solomon young. Solomon's doing the same thing with his son. He's starting young. Um, if you wait until your kid to correct your child's behavior when they're a teenager, I mean, it's too late. Um, this is why Solomon writes in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say train up a teenager, does it? No. Start, it says to start young, when they're a child, not when they're full grown, not when they're almost out of the house, but start when they're little with this training effort. So start young, start early in teaching your kids right from wrong. Second step to producing listening children is to discipline them. And by that, I mean tan in their backside. Amen. That's right. I heard one. Um, it was a little weak, but I heard one. Um, it might have been my dad that said that. But spanking them, that's what we're talking about here. Proverbs 13 and verse 24, Solomon says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, again, Solomon encourages Proverbs 22 and verse 15, us to discipline our children. He says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I know that a lot of parents these days are hesitant to go down this road to consider uh, spanking their children um, because we don't want to parent out of anger, right? That's the hesitation. It's like we don't want to parent out of anger, but at the same time, we don't want to parent out of passivity. So we don't want to be the person who just never does anything to discipline our child. So we've got to be able to find some middle ground, friends. And the middle ground for that, for you, may be withholding the spanking until the emotions settle down. Maybe you tell your child, hey, look, go to your room. Or you tell them when, you're, when your dad gets home, right? And so you give a little bit of time, a little bit of space between that moment of when you're about to explode and you're frustrated to when you actually bring that punishment. And so that's a way that that middle ground that you might be able to find um, for spanking them. But what I'm pleading with you to do is not to take spanking off the table. This is not my opinion that I'm sharing with you, right? It's worked. It worked for you all. And it did. Worked for me, and it'll still work. Um, so keep it on the table. Look again at what the B-I-B-L-E has to say about spanking. Proverbs 13 and verse 24, read it just a moment ago. It said, whoever spares the rod hates his son. Look at the Bible's 
view there. It says, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, that's a very different opinion, a very different tact than what a modern-day child psychologist might tell us. The Bible says, rather, the abusive thing, the hateful thing, the thing that just leaves your child out there in the cold is when we fail to spank, when we fail to discipline them. The loving act is to spank our children when they require it. I love Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Solomon says, look, I understand that some of y'all may have hesitations here, but let me just put this in perspective for you. He says, if you strike your child with a rod or the switch or the belt or the back of your hand on their backside, he will not die. (laughs) Isn't that great? I might sting for just a minute, and it's supposed to, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be maimed for life. Okay, so a second way for you and I to get our children to listen, number one, is to start teaching when they're young, and number two is to discipline them with spankings when they require it. Number three, third way to get our kids to listen is to live an authentic Christian life in front of them, to live an authentic Christian life in front of them. Children have a very, a built-in phony meter. They do. They can tell, they can tell a fake uh, from the real McCoy uh, from, from a mile away. And so, you know, do your kids expect you to be perfect? No, they don't expect us to be perfect. We know that we can't be perfect. Perfection left the earth 2,000 years ago. But they do expect for you and I to be honest. And that means that when we've blown it, that we admit it. That means that when we need to ask for their forgiveness, that we actually go and do that. And so, friends, when our children um, meet up with us and, 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 and engage with us in that kind of a way, when we're being honest about our mistakes, friends, they say, hey, you know what? This is not a perfect person. God didn't give me a perfect person. God gave me, though, an authentic parent, somebody who's authentically trying to live out their Christian life. And so uh, the issue there is um, not that we get it right all the time that matters. Rather, it's how we handle it when we get it wrong that counts. Be authentic in front of your kids. Number four and finally, fourth way to get our kids to listen is to instruct with few words. To instruct with few words. Perhaps you've seen this play out before when a mom or dad is out in a public area and their child's beginning to misbehave and the parent's trying to, um, maybe they offer some money or they offer some candy or they do all sorts of things to try and convince that child, right, to, to behave in a certain way. And so they're trying to, uh, or maybe they, they want to sit there and have, have, let's sit down and have a conversation about this. And they want to explain the issue to them and why their child should act in a particular way. Um, instead, what needs to happen, because your, your child will just tune that stuff out. They'll tune it out. When you, you know, it starts at home, right? And if you get it right at home, then it'll get itself right in the public sphere. And so if you get it right at home and you use few words at home, then you only have to use few words when you're out in public. Makes sense, right? But if you're explaining stuff at home to your child all the time and trying to get them to see your point of view, then you're going to expect to have that same thing happen when you're out in public. And so the suggestion here is, the, the, the teaching here is, to use as few words as possible in private, at home, and so that way it plays itself that way out in public. And so um, instead, you know, here's what needs to happen. Uh, little kid does the wrong thing, and you give the order, and then here's what you're going to hear. Why? Or why not? I got four words for you. few words as possible, right? Because I said so. I was raised on because I said so. <laughs> Many of y'all are raised on because I said so too. My, I would say to my mom, mom, why do I have to do my homework now? Because I said so. Dad, why can't I stay out later? Because I said so. Why can't I have some ice cream? Because I said so. Why do I have to go to church? Because I said so. Why do I have to take a bath now? Because I said so. Do we have to leave now? Yes. Why? Because I said so, 
right? And so I was raised on because I said so. And friends, that's a great way to be raised. I didn't, my parents weren't interested in an explanation or giving me an explanation or rationalizing with their four-year-old child or their seven-year-old child. What they wanted was compliance. What they wanted was my obedience. What they wanted was me to submit to the order that they had given me. And so they just said, because I said so. Um, listen to the words of Solomon on this issue, Proverbs 17 and verse 27. Whoever restrains his words, that is, uses less words, has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 10 and verse 19. When words are many, mom and dad are just yakety yak yakking, transgression is not lacking. You can expect that little child to go run around in circles and do whatever it is that they wanted to do, but whoever restrains his lips, uses less words, is prudent. And finally, Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 2, also written by Solomon, he says, Be not rash with your words. Let your words be few. And the words that you use, friends, they don't need to be loud. I'm going to ask Jason to come up here for just a second. He's going to be my little demonstrations. Come here, Jason. Come here. Jason. Because I said so. Now go back to your seat. Especially when you're out in public areas, right? Play this out in private, and then it works itself out in public areas. All that needs to happen is, because I said so, right? And and that just ends it. It ends it all right there. You don't have this big old embarrassing thing that goes on. Use as few words as possible in our parenting. And if there's a need for an explanation, you can give that. You can give that explanation later. But in that moment, at this time, what I'm expecting from you is your compliance. What I'm expecting from you is your obedience. Um, you say, Gordon, I appreciate all that you shared this morning. If I was to go put all those things into place, I would hope to get the kind of results that I'm looking for, but I've got to be honest with you. I feel inadequate for the task. I feel inadequate to be able to do all these things right and be the kind of parent that my, my kids need. Again, we learned last week that Solomon was not born with these instincts. Solomon asked God to give him the wisdom that he needed. And God heard that prayer, and God met Solomon's need. Friends, you and I get on our needs on a daily basis, and we ask God for his wisdom in situations and parenting our children. And God said, I will give you what it is that you need. Let's bow our heads together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for talking to us today from your word. We thank you for just some practical thoughts around this very difficult, oftentimes difficult uh, topic of parenthood. God, we need you in the mix. We need your wisdom. We need your instruction. We need your eternal insight. You have walked so many parents through this path, through this journey. God, we ask that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, walk us through it with success as well. No parent wants to see their child walking in the path of the unrighteous. We all want to see our kids thrive and succeed and accomplish and fulfill dreams. Lord, may we do our part in launching them out to be full-fledged adults, to be people who are ready to meet the world on your behalf. Lord, speak to us in these quiet moments of communion today. Impart to us the wisdom that we need for this moment. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your shed blood. We commit ourselves again to you. We pray this in Christ's holy name.
Amen.